Hello and welcome to Aboli Diaries, a podcast where we explore wellness and health for women over 40. My name is Fiona Mze and I'll be your host. The subject today is about improving the quality of menopause care and to raise awareness about it. My guest is Vanessa Barnes, a former solicitor who together with GP and menopause specialist Dr. Louise Newson, along with other experts in the field of menopause, launched the Menopause Charity. Vanessa is the chief executive of the charity and also trustee. The charity was launched in September 2020 to address the urgent need for better perimenopause and menopause information and care for all women, regardless of the economic and geographic background. So hi, Vanessa. Thank you for joining me today on Avoli Dara's podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you about the menopause charity. Hi, Fiona. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on. Okay, before we start, I wanted to ask if you could share us a bit more about yourself. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, so my background is in the legal profession originally. I haven't, um, I'm a qualified solicitor, but I haven't worked for many years now in, in, in the law. I keep a, a bit of an interest, but I've sort of been a, a full-time mum doing various other things, lots of other projects. And uh, yeah, now I'm involved with helping to set up and launch the menopause charity, which uh we're hugely excited about brand new charity. So, um, but yeah, my background is not in the charity industry or in the medical profession either. But uh, yeah, I've come into it as a as a lawyer with my my lawyer's hat on, but also as a woman who's been through perimenopause and is still going through the perimenopause at the moment. So I have very much a a vested personal interest in it as well. So, so it's a subject which I've become very passionate about. Yeah, great. Can you tell me the uh, the reasoning behind it? Yeah, fundamentally, just to try to address the paucity of menopause care in the country. There's such a, a huge lack of resources available to women and places women to go to get the advice, help, support, information that they need. And there's no one charity which coordinates all of the different aspects um, that can relate to menopause care, whether that's in providing women with information and support or healthcare professionals with additional resources to, to help them with their training and their understanding of the menopause and down to employers and, and how employers can best support their employees and be better employers um, in terms of making their workplace more sympathetic towards women at a time in their lives when, when, when they need that. So it's multifaceted in terms of providing a whole support platform for women in terms of information, advice, podcasts, research, etc., but also in providing the other arms of, of, of support to the employers and healthcare professionals as well. Okay. So is it going to be a group of experts in various fields of, you know, the medical side of things as well who will bring yeah, it together? Absolutely. I and mean, our founder is, is Dr. Louise Newson, who is one of the country's most um, acclaimed menopause specialists and experts. And uh, you know, she's devoted her her professional career. She was a GP, but she's now very much a menopause specialist, um, and she's completely devoted to to trying to redress the the problems with menopause care in in the country at the moment. So, obviously, we've got Louise herself. Um, she's very much the driving force behind the charity and, and the reason the charity was set up. And it was Louise who approached me originally to to ask if I would be able to come on board and spend some time. She's a a hugely busy lady with providing the care herself to her her own patients and with a whole lot of other facets to her life. So she needed somebody to sort of come on board with with her to help her to sort of set up the charity 
and the day-to-day running of it, getting us through the registration process, coordinating our team of um, advisors and volunteers and other people who are very generously giving up their time to to help the charity. And then in, in addition to Louise, we have a lot of other medical medical specialists sort of helping with our advice side of things as well and, and helping us to shape our new website, which we're hoping to launch in a, in a few months from now. There is quite a team of, of well-versed men, menopause specialists behind us, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really excited when I come across Dr. Newson. I listened to her talk on the podcast, which is how I found the menopause charity website. And mm. it was also going through a period myself where I didn't understand what the perimenopause was. Well, I kind of knew, but I didn't know what that meant for me or for my body and things like, do you get diagnosed with it? Do you have to see a GP? And I remember going to a GP a few years ago, and it must have been at the start of the perimenopause for me. And I remember him just saying, well, just get on with it. This is what happens to a woman when she gets to your age. And I remember walking out thinking, hmm, okay. So I'm always curious and I've always wanted to find out alternative information, you know, not just being told or just get used to it. So it's really exciting to read on the website what's available. Can you tell us a bit more about what resources will be available? Yeah, well, well, first of all, sorry, just going back to what you were saying about the perimenopause, I think that's yeah. what, you're, what you've touched upon is so important and, and comes into our resource section as well. But so many women don't even know what that word means and I know myself my own experience I'm 47 soon I I started to get perimenopausal symptoms when I was about probably in my very early 40s 41 42 and didn't didn't even put it down to hormones at all it didn't even really particularly enter my head and I remember going to see a GP just to discuss how I was feeling and things that were going on and the GP being very much sort of pushing me along the lines of well perhaps you're depressed you need antidepressants and hormones were not even mentioned, let alone the word perimenopause or, you know, my periods were not even discussed. And it was only when I went to see Louise a couple of years after that, I was probably about 43, I think, when I went to see Louise initially as a patient. And she mentioned perimenopause. And I said, well, I've heard of menopause. I vaguely know what menopause is. Didn't know very much about menopause, but I'd never heard of the word perimenopause. And the fact that there is this whole period of time in a woman's life, which can last for, for very many years, you know, a decade or more before you actually enter the menopause, that is completely unspoken about, but it can have just as debilitating symptoms as, as the actual menopause can. And so going in terms of what you were saying about your understanding of the word perimenopause and my own understanding, that very much spurs us on as a charity to make sure that in our resource section, we have some really good evidence-based information explaining all of these things to women and, and letting them know that they're, no, they're not going mad, they're not, <laughs> they're not yeah. depressed, they're not having a brain tumor or dementia or uh, you know a lot of these things that women are, are genuinely really quite scared and worried about because they're not, they don't understand the changes that are happening to them. And to really have, have all of the resources and the information available to them so that they can click on, you know, they can click on, whatever that, their symptoms might be that they're particularly interested in, whether it's, I don't know, tinnitus or vertigo or aching joints, and read more about it and find out more about how their hormones could actually be affecting those um, issues. We're not saying that they are limited to hormones. Obviously, there are plenty of other medical conditions which could cause women to have have problems. But certainly, you know, women should be aware of the, the, the part that hormones play in this. 
and check that out as well as looking at all the other possible medical explanations. I didn't even realise things like anxiety and depression could mm. come on at that stage in life for a woman. So I was, I, I went through a period myself where I felt quite low and I just didn't connect the two, that yeah. possibly they, they could be connected. Absolutely. And, you know, we know that about a third of women who are going through sort of perimenopause and menopause will suffer with some levels of anxiety and depression. And I think it's one of the times in a, for women, which is sort of noted as being the time when they're most likely to commit suicide is, is around about the time of the menopause. So it, it is a real, a real factor. And um, I think, you know, it's often people, particularly if they're feeling anxious and depressed and they've got a bit of brain fog, they're not necessarily thinking about the hormones. And often you're too much in the dealing with your symptoms to, to really look outside of yourself and think, well, you know, what actually, what, what else could be causing this and, and join the dots up. And that's really where we need our healthcare professionals to become better equipped and more aware of, of the issue so that actually when they're talking to a woman, and I know it's difficult for a lot of GPs, they have their five or 10 minute, 10 minutes if you're lucky, appointment yeah. slot. And to start sort of going beyond the symptoms or behind the symptoms and saying, right, well, when was the last time you had a period? Have you noticed any changes in your menstrual cycle? Do you, or have you noticed any change in your symptoms in terms of fluctuating at different times of the month and really sort of starting to get the healthcare professionals to help the women join up the dots and see the whole picture rather than just treating isolated symptoms without treating the whole woman. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, hopefully we're, we're going to be populating our website with a lot of facts and resources and information for women, information for healthcare professionals so that between the two, Hopefully, we can equip both sides with, with a body of information and resources that which will enable them to, to join the dots up together and work collaboratively. So as a woman, you can go to your GP and say, well, I've been on the, the Menopause Charity website. I've read about X, Y, and Z. This really resonates with me. I believe this is potentially something which could be a factor. Can we discuss this? And, and really try and get the healthcare professionals to open, you know, engage in a conversation and become more open about discussing hormone deficiency in the menopause as, as, a, as a problem that they need to be looking at. Yeah. Um, and out of interest, do you find, I'm not sure if you know this, is there, depending on which ethnic minority group people come from, are the experiences different generally? And is there something that you cater for in the charity, that what you're going to be sharing? Yeah, certainly I think this is an area which Louise is very interested in and, and I'm sure it's an area where I, I to be I will I'm not sure myself about the levels of research that have been done into this, but I'm, I'm sure it's an area which she's very interested in looking at doing potentially some more research into. We certainly know that there is a, a very differing level of information available depending on different um, ethnicities and how much menopause and hormones are spoken about. Um, and obviously the less aware women are, the more you know, they might encounter problems simply because of the information is knowledge and, and power. But in, in terms of the, the, there is some evidence, I believe, of uh, menopause starting a bit earlier, depending on your ethnicity. And certainly it's a factor as a charity that we want to look at all of the different ethnicities to, to make sure we've catered for everybody and looking at those things which might affect women from different ethnic minority groups more than, than others. Yeah. I was also interested about the, you're going to have a section for employers. 
like a results yeah. session for employers? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we definitely see the workplace as, as somewhere where women are really often left to struggle alone um, and your employees don't have enough information again and knowledge about the menopause and you know they might sort of jokingly provide a woman with a fan when she says she's feeling a bit menopausal you know when we know that just providing a woman with a fan whilst it might be vaguely helpful is really not good enough so we really want to sort of help employers become more aware of, of, of the situation develop better policies so that they can support women be more understanding about flexible working times perhaps be aware of the fact that women themselves might not really understand what's happening or have joined up the dots, so to speak, and ways that we can encourage employers to try and gently engage in conversations and introduce the topic as something which women could maybe consider and go away and read about. So um, we we would like to have an employer's toolkit to provide resources to employers so that they can give information to their employees about the menopause, show them where they can get more information and support tell them about the charity and uh, put policies in place within management to to help support women through it. I mean, we know that so many women end up leaving their employment or change their roles or perhaps don't get that promotion because of their menopausal symptoms. And for, for both the women themselves, but also for the employers, that's such a terrible waste and so unnecessary. Um, and certainly from the employer's perspective, they, they put a lot of time, effort and resources into training these, these women in their workforce. I'm sure if they can hold on to them for longer and support them and see them fulfill their potential, that's a win-win for everybody, really. So the yeah. more that we can do to raise awareness with employers and, uh, and flag up menopause as a, as a problem for a lot of women in that sort of generally 40 to 55 age range but it can start a lot younger and it can go on a lot longer than, than so much the better. Yeah and would you say there's a lot of stigma around it even talking about menopause itself generally? Yeah, definitely. definitely I think it is well hopefully it's starting to get a little bit better I think there has been more conversation over the past couple of years but I think there is still a general reluctance on the part of women to talk about it it still tends to be a little bit potentially the butt of jokes you know oh, you, you're having a hot flush and <laughs> you know what's the matter with you is it your hormones type type jokes that you might get and I think women it's been still been very much talked about and as a hushed subject that's that's really not openly discussed and I think that's a real problem and, and, and hopefully something which again through raising awareness through talking about it more through through pushing the topic more we will break down those barriers and, and help to remove a lot of the stigma I think yeah. when we look at the difference for example between mental health as it currently is and we look back sort of 10 years 15 12 certainly 20 years ago there was a real stigma about talking openly about depression, anxiety, any other sort of mental health related issues. And I think charities such as Mind and Mental Health have done huge amounts to to really break through that that stigma and that taboo and and get everyone talking about it. And we very much want to do the same for menopause. And I think we'll reach a a tipping point where all of a sudden the taboo around it and the stigma will crumble away. We're not there yet. We've got a long way to go. But the more women we get talking about it and the more we can encourage women to, to speak to their daughters, speak to their sisters, their friends, you know, particularly women 
you know, such as myself and yourself who experienced it firsthand and maybe we can see in a friend or a, yeah. a relative you can spot some of the telltale symptoms and you know you might be thinking inwardly oh I, th- I think she's potentially feeling a little bit like hormonal a little bit the hormones are, are playing playing some issues here yeah for us to actually not be embarrassed to sort of say to that friend or relative look you know how are you feeling at the moment have you have you found you're having any problems with your hormones have you considered you know hormone deficiency as potentially being something that could be causing you some problems at the moment it really should be something that we are as willing to speak about as as we are you know any other aspect of our of our health and well-being yeah because it's interesting it's not something we were taught in school well I wasn't taught in school so it's it's interesting that we enter this phase of our life feeling very um well naive and ignorant in many ways <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it, i was never i think i was i was aware that menopause was the word for when your period stopped but that was pretty much all i knew about it and same here i, I think the the scary reality is that a lot of medical professionals will tell you that that is pretty much all they learned about it in, in medical school. It's not, it, it's not something that is really touched upon in any great detail, which is terrible, really, because as women, we're all living a lot longer. We're having to live with this long-term hormone deficiency for a much greater period of our time. And this idea that, oh, well, it's, you know, you'll have a few symptoms for a few months, just just muddle through, you'll get through, and you'll be out the other side of it, is really something that we have to try and redress because, you know, we know that actually whilst your symptoms might ease, you might find ways to cope with your symptoms, you're going to be living with that low level of, of of hormones for the rest of your life and that that those low hormone levels have have health detriments which everybody should be aware of mm-hmm. yeah so true and will the resources on the website be free for anyone to download yes absolutely everything on the on the website will be will be free we're hoping to have a whole host of resources with the website is very much in the design stage at the moment we're just uh, we're very excited about it with got various um, design meetings going on I've just come from one um, to speak to you now it'll probably take a good three or four months to get the website to the position where we're ready to launch it but then once once it's launched everything will be free to use and we're really hoping to be able to connect to a wide range of, of, of women healthcare professionals employers through the website and also through our um, charity Instagram page and uh, in many other ways as well yeah great Oh, well, thank you, Vanessa. That was really helpful. And I'm excited for you guys as you launch and go live. So thank Thank you for joining us today. And I appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me this week. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, visit www.awolidarespodcast.com. That is A-B-W-O-O-L-I-Darespodcast.com. And before you go, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd appreciate it if you shared it with friends and family. And remember, the information we discussed is not to be substituted for medical advice. We would always advise you to seek help from a doctor or other relevant professional. 